This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Hello and welcome to another installment of The COVID Report, a show that is dedicated to providing you with comprehensive coverage and factual information of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Karabo Asala, and I am joined by my amazing co-host, Siposti Shembuli. That is indeed right, Karabo. And today on The COVID Report, we are following what we usually do, unpacking how different industries have been affected by the pandemic. And the industry under scrutiny today is the entertainment industry. Now, South Africa is a country of lifestyle and jubilation, and entertainment is something that feeds into that incredibly so. And today, to unpack how the entertainment industry has been hit, we are joined by Anderson Mabitsela, who is an event organizer and DJ, to share some of the things the entertainment industry has gone through. Thank you so much, Mr. Mabitsela, for joining us here on the COVID Report. And first things first, what are some of the unheard changes and challenges that the industry has faced during this pandemic? Firstly, hello to everyone out there. I mean, it's been quite a tricky time during the COVID pandemic. We all actually thought it would be almost like a breeze, you know. We all thought that it would be easy to adapt to the virtual world of doing things and how to, you know, almost streamline some of the innovations that have been created along the way, uh, especially through the past three years before COVID actually hit. However, what we're finding now is that in places or, you know, countries that aren't necessarily equipped properly to deal with COVID-19 restrictions, especially over the net or anything of that nature, we've had to do a lot of adapting to even stay afloat. It's quite hard to obviously measure one company versus the next. However, what I've found is that a small business starting out trying to actually become something bigger if you haven't actually been on social media or been within a digital space, it's almost impossible to actually survive in that context. Most people just assume that because you've got some sort of presence online or you've got some sort of presence here or there, you know, things might be okay. However, when it comes to all the background stuff, financials, talking to banks and the context of what's coming in and what's not coming in, uh, you know, those changes affect the business in such a negative way that businesses end up going under without you even understanding why or seeing them still doing all these events, but they can't necessarily bring forward what they used to bring forward anyway to the table. So that's been one of the biggest changes that I've noticed personally um, on my side. And I think it does vary from company to company. However, the unspoken rule right now is that People are having fun, but event organizers are losing quite a bit of money. Mr. Mabitzala, you just mentioned something about businesses going under. And during these unprecedented times, would you say you've gotten any relief from the government? Or do you perhaps know other companies in the entertainment industry who have gotten some form of relief from the government? Because we've seen how lockdown restrictions have fluctuated over the past months and the impact that has had on the entertainment industry. So what are some of the relief measures that you have received, either from government or private sector? Now, that's the thing. When the whole COVID thing started, our industry was the first to shut down. And unfortunately, even now, our industry isn't necessarily open. You know, um, we have to almost look at all the loopholes that might actually exist in some sort of COVID report to actually get something going on. However, when it comes to government or state 
provided help in that context. We've actually received almost nothing, if you want to put it that way. You know, we had an entire campaign when the COVID-19 pandemic started called hashtag Light SA Red, where we're trying to basically bring forward the notion that, you know, the entertainment industry has been hit quite hard. And, you know, we unfortunately aren't able to do what we would be doing on a regular basis. And even though we've tried to adapt and even though we've tried to get certain elements of trying to do live events or shows or something of that nature, you know, in the virtual space, it doesn't unfortunately bring in as much money as what you'd find if you're filling up a venue that could facilitate, let's say, 2,000 people or anything of that nature. And even as, you know, the lockdown regulations have been easing off and it's been giving us a little bit more freedom to actually get certain things done, it unfortunately doesn't allow us to even make a fraction of what we used to do or make prime. So obviously we all marched to the union buildings this year and also last year around November to obviously, you know, spread light on the fact that there is an entire industry that unfortunately hasn't been able to do anything with any lockdown restrictions for the entertainment industry to actually come back. It would require us to go beyond level one or, you know, something less harsh than what is already there. And obviously we know with that, you know, it brings us off other illnesses and things like that. But when it comes to relief and being thought about, especially within government spaces, unfortunately, our sector hasn't necessarily had any of that. We've never had any 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 relief dedicated solely to us. We've never had anything that caters even for musicians, for instance. You know, we've had... Big companies like an MGG, for instance, which was one of the biggest entertainment companies in the country, actually closed down because they don't actually see a future. And unfortunately, for the next four to five years, we don't necessarily see how most companies will be able to bounce back from that as well. Really a scary time. And you mentioned that we're unsure if many companies will bounce back from it. But I suppose largely some of the bouncing back comes from pivoting and changing the work you do. So what pivots have been done within the industry to ensure that business continues during the pandemic? And what are some of the pivots that you have done? I mean, from what I've gathered, smaller companies have actually been able to adapt a lot more to the pandemic itself. For me personally, you know, we've started a lot of virtual shows. We started a lot of podcasting sites and we started to do things that never required to have a crowd of, say, a thousand people before to actually get something done. You know, we've been doing things like poetry online, doing things like a show here or a show there or an album listening session or something of that nature in a virtual world or a virtual circle. You know, we've been using platforms such as I think it's called Chatroom and, you know, in conjunction with other companies like Pieces Africa and Creators Live, we've been trying to obviously create this new modern era of how artists would basically interact with their fans as opposed to just being on stage and, you know, performing or making a card jump or something of that nature. For us smaller companies, it's been much easier to adapt to that, whereas for bigger companies who rely on having that big show to make a 300,000 for instance off of one gig to actually pay off a workforce or pay off whatever new gear might have been bought anything of that nature they've unfortunately either had to cut 
50% of their staff, even up to 60% of their staff, because you can't keep paying someone if there isn't anything to pay them for. And that's been the biggest downside. You know, I'm just glad on my side, personally, you know, I started a company, even though I was already doing uh, sound engineering for someone else. And, you know, I could pick up from how strenuous that was on one individual to actually run a company and try and pay about 50 people that if I actually try to do this myself, I could find cool and interesting ways to actually innovate the live industry or innovate something within the live industry and then move that along quite swiftly. And Mr. Mabitala, I just want to latch onto a part of your answer to the last question. You spoke a lot about adapting your strategies, your business's strategies, moving from traditional formats and going virtual in efforts to retain your customer base and also generate some income during these times. So my question to you is, do you think COVID-19 has shown that the next generation networking has the potential to transform how industries operate you know, create competitive advantage and unlocking new opportunities for innovation. Pre-COVID, I don't think the entertainment industry necessarily thought of even having shows virtually, or maybe such was not done at a grand scale. So do you perhaps think COVID-19 has now brought forth a lot of new opportunities of how the entertainment industry can actually function? It's a tricky one, you know, because I 100% believe that you know, it has forced the entertainment industry, especially in countries that weren't necessarily looking at it as an avenue moving forward to actually consider something virtual or anything of that nature. For the first time in years of the day, I read an article about how BTS, um, the Korean pop group, basically shattered a record in terms of the amount of people that watched one single show because they sold virtual tickets, I think, to about two-thirds of the world. And it just shows you that obviously now, you know, instead of actually having to fill stadiums in different countries and you know, go and give everyone that experience, we can still somehow get that same or similar experiences within the virtual world itself. It might not be as perfect as what you needed. It might not be exactly the same as what we had before. However, we're living in a world where people also have anxieties now about even stepping outside of their household. So therefore, if you can bring that same entertainment that they love and perceive back to them without them having to leave their household or leave the comforts of where they feel safe, um, you know, that's going to be the number one way to actually cater for everyone. Yes, there will still be people who actually want to go to the physical concert and actually see the physical artists themselves. And I think through time, you'll find that even the way ticket sales get get conducted and how certain tiers when it comes to pricing and being able to actually watch certain artists will actually fluctuate. For instance, in our country, you know, our president always talks about when we get to level three, we can have something like uh, 50% of the capacity of the venue or up to 250 people. So now event organizers will probably have those 250 tickets as like premium tickets, you know, that are um, not accessible to... Um, the common person, but still be able to sell virtual tickets to everyone else who'd like to actually see the show and like to be a part of the experience in that context. As much as that might be the way forward and innovative as well, what I've also noticed is in the rest of the world, through vaccination programs and how you know that's actually progressed, we're starting to actually see 
a more traditional stance or more of what we've anticipated from the industry itself come back. Just last week, I watched the show in America where they had half a million people at an actual concert. And it sounds very far-fetched in the times that we live in. However, it is possible if the government systems and reforms can actually be done in quite a swift manner. It just almost sucks that, you know, when you live in, I don't want to call it a third world country, but the in-between of third world and first world countries, things do get done, but they get done so slowly that by the time we catch up with everyone else, we're going to be five years behind. We're not going to be in the same spaces anymore. And it just brings us back even further, especially as the entertainment industry, because we'll be the last to actually open and no one necessarily cares about what happens to entertainment when there isn't any food on the table. So it sucks in that context, but it is also very understandable, you know, as a human being, why someone would take their own livelihoods and, you know, what needs to be done at home first before they even look at entertainment. So there's that. Now, Anderson, switching gears slightly, you are a sound engineer, a producer, you do participate in actually the production of the art and the music that people would hear in these spaces. How has production of music during this pandemic been like? How have you had to work during this time? Has it altered what you're producing or making? Yes, it has. So for instance, with me, uh, I might be lucky in some context that some of the artists that I actually do work with I'm really close to. Um, For instance, I work with my wife, who is a rapper. And, you know, for her, it's easier for us to actually be at home and record a whole bunch of songs and get that done. But I find it very hard when I now have to work with someone else who might be in a remote location where maybe they don't have access to internet or something of that nature, you know, trying to find places and areas that are safe enough for us to actually sit down and work on an album and also have a level of trust that I don't think anyone has ever thought of having, you know, before, where if you're booking a studio and you're walking and you're about to work with someone, something as simple as taking a mask off, even though you've done all the checks beforehand to actually walk into a studio, it's such a daunting process and it requires you to actually trust someone or give them that trust holistically before anything happens, hoping that no one actually has encountered anything before that. And, you know, within that space, it just means that a lot more work gets done over something like WhatsApp or Instagram or any social media format that, you know, can allow you to communicate over Zoom without necessarily being in a studio physically and having that same vibe, that round. I've also noticed that certain artists require that to actually make music. So if you don't necessarily give them that, it it doesn't give you what you exactly needed or wanted from that artist as well. So, you know, collaborations have become harder because something that should take maybe two to three days now is taking up to a month to actually get released because people are far away, people have got things to do, people have got different ways that they're trying to actually engage or find funding for certain projects or anything of that nature. And on top of that, even when we get to recording spaces, you know, with COVID restrictions, for instance, some of the studios that, you know, I prefer to record at, whereas before I could get about eight people into a studio, you know, to record maybe let's say an eight-piece or six-piece band, I now have to break that down to having maybe three people, including myself, make it four in the studio as opposed to the normal eight because, you know, with lockdown regulations and the size of the venues and how that impacts 
you know, how people can get sick and so forth. You have to adapt and change to all of that. You have to find new ways to actually record that might not necessarily be 100% comfortable with you, but is the new norm with how the world works. So look, there's a lot of adjusting to do with it, but at the same time, I feel that it's not something that is impossible. And like I say, smaller companies, it's easier for us to actually adapt to those changes and make that quite instantaneously. But for a larger corporation that basically trickles down from the boss to management to junior management to the actual workforce on the ground, it becomes harder for them to actually implement the same type of systems as everyone else. And keeping in line with this new age of transformation and having to really shapeshift around these COVID-19 regulations in an age of transformation. Mr. Bambizela, would you say that some of the applications you have had to implement in order to circumvent the effects of the pandemic, do you still think they will be applicable to your business after the lockdown? You mentioned something about having to conduct business online, even on WhatsApp. Has it become convenient? Is it a bit of a burden to you? Is it something you still see yourself doing after lockdown? I think it's going to be a very interesting time. I've had a few thoughts about that because, you know, I traditionally like to get to a coffee shop, have a coffee, have a chat, talk business, take notes and, you know, move on from that. However, what this has taught me is that you don't necessarily have to see someone to actually engage in business. Um, It just means that when it comes to the new generation or the next generation of how work is done, things will be a little bit more streamlined and a little bit more scheduled, you know, put on a calendar as opposed to meeting someone and, you know, asking for a quick meeting or a quick coffee or something of that nature. It's going to help us in the context that there's a lot of new features that COVID-19 has had us adapt to and look towards, for instance. I know companies who for the first time in their existence, for instance, will have weekly meetings. And in those weekly meetings, they can actually address things that have been happening over the past couple of weeks without them necessarily having to speak to each individual. I run a small company, so I've always had Zoom meetings or Google Meet meetings. And that's how we've always kind of like communicated and you know shared stories or shared concepts amongst us. So, you know, first it wasn't too much of a change completely. But as the head of the company, it changed how I had to approach my clients, how I had to speak to clients. And I found that my clients actually prefer to do that as opposed to, you know, them actually going to a coffee shop or anything like that. In our industry, unfortunately, we deal with a lot of introverts and everyone sees big characters and, you know, these big personas that come out of the artists that you speak to and and how they actually perceive or get perceived in the industry because of what they do. For instance, someone like, I hate no name dropping, but someone like 25K, when you look at him and you look at his image and what he raps about and how he goes about his business, you just assume that this guy is, you know, very extroverted. He's very much a big character. Up until you actually meet the person, you find out that it's not quite the case. He actually likes to be in his own space. He likes to be introverted. And this has actually just helped even people like that to engage with, you know, their fans and their audience in a different way and almost be vulnerable to a situation that they didn't necessarily plan for, but the world can actually understand a lot better. But when it comes to businesses specifically, I think a lot of them will actually keep a lot of the values that they've actually set out based on 
you know, how COVID has actually worked. The only thing that I think should change once <laughs> the industry actually opens up again or when companies come back would be a lot of the restrictions. Because unfortunately, with entertainment, it would be very hard for us to keep 250 people within, you know, a concert space to actually entertain and still try and make money off of that. Because unfortunately, that's not how our industry works. And if ever we do get off these lockdown restrictions, maybe my industry will come back full-fledged. But that's a dream that hopefully comes true. Um, right now, it doesn't seem like anything that's going to happen in the near future. Really innovate, innovate, innovate and adapt or die. Now, my follow-up becomes is how, as people, just regular people, not really in the entertainment industry, how do we go out and support in the entertainment industry, especially during this pandemic? So I'm an individual who necessarily doesn't want to go out, but where can we make a difference to ensure that the lively industry we once had survives this pandemic? It's a good, but tricky question, you know, because I think even before everything happened, we've always been talking about buying music or uh, purchasing music. We live in the digital age or the age of streaming where no one necessarily wants to buy anything because you just type AKA on YouTube, you get you know full access to all of these songs and you can play them in your car or whatever else it is. Or maybe you've got a subscription to Spotify and you know that's how you actually get most of your music done. But I believe that within those spaces, you know, musicians actually carry a lot of people around them, their teams and everything else are quite extensive. So, you know, I've always encouraged people to buy the music rather than just streaming the music. For instance, buying one song off Apple Music is the equivalent of you streaming that song a thousand times. Yes, you can play it a thousand times, I guess, and give us the same type of numbers. But if people actually do buy music and make it a habit of buying music, similarly to how the generation before us actually bought music. If you think about our elder brothers, all the way to our fathers, you know, they actually went and bought a physical form of a CD or a physical form of a cassette tape or a vinyl. And that's what kept the artist going, even when that artist wasn't getting booked for gigs or shows, anything of that nature. So I believe if we can almost backtrack to a time like that where we're actually buying this digital media from artists so that, you know, we have it for keeps, even if we lose our Spotify or Apple Music subscription, will actually help the artist more than most people think. On average, I think an artist that gets maybe two to 300 plays in a month at the end of the year will only get about 600 rand. And I don't think anyone could survive off 600 a year. So you can imagine if you start actually buying the music itself as much as it's 99 cents or 17 rand or whatever the exchange rate is now, that will help or will be more beneficial than them just, you know, gaining that 35 cents a stream or something of that nature. I think that's the number one way I can think of of helping the industry right now, because if you help the artists themselves, the artists can then branch off and find all these different companies where they can start to do a little bit more experimental things that in turn will change the scope of how music is perceived. Certainly, I couldn't agree any more. Rounding off that conversation with Mr. Anderson Mabitzela, who spoke to us about how the pandemic has affected him and his business during these times of continually shifting customer expectations and offering the services of the entertainment industry. The word of adapting was actually thrown around a lot during this conversation, and it's really something 
we have all had to do. Mr. Mabizela was also speaking to us about how his business, Anderson Entertainment, has had to adapt during the COVID-19 pandemic. Anderson Entertainment is a multimedia company currently specializing within the audio and visual sector in South Africa, Johannesburg. It was founded in the year 2017 by Mr. Mabizela himself, who had a vision to provide a platform for up-and-coming local musicians through various mediums, such as playlisting and allowing artists to perform their art in front of a live audience. can certainly say without a doubt that this has certainly had to change because of COVID-19. But since then, the company has moved on to bigger ventures, and we on the COVID Report Wish you all the best for you and the company and hope it soars to new heights. Thank you so much for being our guest on the show today. And we certainly look forward to having you on as our guest in the future. Thank you so much for having me, guys. <laughs> this was uh, really, really fun. And I'd like to thank you on behalf of the entertainment industry as well for obviously shedding some light on things that people don't necessarily want to talk about because no one really sees the entertainment industry up until it's too late. So. Thank you guys so, so much. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or streams by www.varfm.co.za.